Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ah, it's days like today that I am very grateful not to be a single mom. Shout out to all the single moms and the three single dads who listen to my podcast. Uh, every once in a while, you just get angry. I feel so angry right now, but I have no outlet for that rage. No one has done anything wrong. Basically, I put Fred to bed for his afternoon nap. All was going well. I decided to have a shower because... I don't have a shower every day, I'll be honest with you. My self-care is in the absolute toilet, but we are having guests this afternoon. I'm not great with that in the first place because lockdown and restrictions has worked together to make me more of a recluse than ever, but also having a baby, I'm not great at dividing my attention. I have to be completely focused on entertaining Fred, and then if other people try to talk to me, It's stressful for me. It's actually stressful for Fred. He doesn't want strangers. I mean, our friends are effectively strangers to him. He doesn't want them looking at him, talking to him, trying to hold him, threatening to play with him. My kids are very uh, loyal followers of just their mother and father alone. I'm so like, I don't know, I'm happy to have friends, but I'm also kind of stressed. Like, oh, What kind of mood is Fred going to be in? Is the house going to be tidy enough? What time can I go to bed? Because the trouble with guests is you never know when they're going to leave. And I have a full day tomorrow, starting with breakfast television at like 7 a.m. I'm just a bit stressed. So, you know, the best thing that I can do for success, because we need friends. We love our friends. I want to be a better host, S, even. Best thing that I can do is give Fred a good afternoon nap. I put him down at exactly 12.15. After an incredible morning, we went to the deli. We got some cakes. We got some kosher snacks for the friends. Why? Are they Jewish? No, I just enjoy Yummy's Deli in Mill Hill. I like kosher snacks. I like uh, I like everything they have to offer, really. They got a lot of gluten-free options, too, and mini rainbow bagels for Violet. So I go there. Fred had a great day kicking and punching. This older lady in a wheelchair stopped us. And, you know, I always say to Violet, every elderly woman used to be a little girl. So you have to chat. You have to stop and chat to these people, especially now. So the woman stops and she is waiting to be assisted into the shop by the lovely staff. And she said, oh, when are you going back to school? And Violet said, I'm going tomorrow. And she said, you didn't start Monday? Violet's like, no, I start tomorrow. Violet's very small. So I explained to the woman, well, Violet goes to secondary school now and they start tomorrow. And then the woman, an eccentric, you know, North London lady, turns to Fred, who's in my front carrier. And she says, what about you, young man? When are you going to school? And I said, well, I don't go to school, actually. I have a job because I do Fred's voice and I want to play. And the woman looked baffled, like baffled that the baby was talking back to her. She's like, what do you mean you have a job? He's like, I work in the city. She's like, you work in the city? Fred's like, yes, I do, actually. I don't have a job. I mean, I don't go to school. I have a job. I don't know. He just starts talking to this lady. And then uh, she was baffled, baffled. But I thought, all right, I tried. And then we left with our delicious snacks. I went, collected the parking ticket off the front of my car. I just get a parking ticket every time I leave the fucking house now. Then I came home put Fred down with a beautiful bottle of fresh breast milk and I decided to put on the baby monitor and have a shower because of these guests. I give the baby monitor to Violet. 
Violet is 12 years old. She's very helpful with Fred, but at the end of the day, she's a child. Should she be responsible for Fred? No, but I just gave her the monitor. I said, watch him for me while I'm in the shower. He's asleep 20 minutes. I come out of the shower. The baby monitor is left unattended. I think, fucking Violet, I gave her this to look at. Where is she? I look on the baby monitor. She is in my room holding Fred, who's wide awake, smiling on my bed. I was like, fuck. And that just made me so angry. Angry with whom? I'm angry with Violet. No, she did the best she could. Apparently he fussed. She couldn't get him back down. Am I angry with Fred? No. I mean, he's a six, nearly seven month old baby. Maybe he needed his dummy or, you know, I'm a little bit angry with myself because I should have sat right next to him like I usually do. And then I can get him back down if he fusses a little bit. Should I have given the screen to Bobby? Probably he was downstairs, but I just, just angry with the whole situation. So fine. Fred's up. That's fine. But he's not in a good mood now. He's fussing and he's tired, but he doesn't listen. He doesn't understand what's good for him. You know what I mean? So then I just had to take myself away from the situation. I was like, you know what? Bobby was there. Bobby said, I'll take him for a walk and try to get him back to sleep. And I poured myself a vodka lemonade. And I'm talking about lemonade from fresh lemons, y'all. Not your fucking 7-Up. That is 7-Up or Sprite. It's a delicious sparkling lemon flavored you know juice drink I don't know what it is juice no it's not a juice lemonade is a juice it comes from lemons that is what I mix the vodka with and that is what I'm using now to feel better and I made a promise last week that I would release the podcast every Wednesday I want to stick to that promise and it just wasn't going to happen if I was a martyr to myself and hung out with Fred while he was whining for the next hour before he falls back asleep I'm home though. I'm just home so much now over the holidays that I'm with Fred 24 hours a day. I've got him in a great routine. I love hanging out with him. I love putting him to bed. Last night he woke up and Bobby did, you know, the lead childcare while I was on tour, especially putting Fred to bed at night. And now Fred's used to me. So last night Fred woke up as he does, you know, you put him down and he's up a few times before he's actually down, just fussing or wanting this or that, or he can't find his dummy or he wants another drink of milk. Fine. Bobby went to him because I was eating a delicious soup that I had made. And again, that was a mistake. Fred was expecting me, I think. So he fussed and he can fuss himself into oblivion. He just decided to throw up. And then Bobby is very worried. Like, oh my God, Fred threw up. Like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing's wrong. He's just decided to projectile vomit the seven ounces of precious breast milk that he mainlined before going to sleep just to spite me. That's why he threw up. He threw up to be like, what are you going to do now? You should have come got me yourself. So it's just kind of like two mistakes that I should have been there for. I should have been with him for his nap. I should have been with him last night. I go back on tour, I think January 20th, and I'm already starting new projects again tomorrow. So this is it. This is it for me. These precious moments with my son are about to dry up. Lord, if you are going through the same, well done, all of us. And if you're a single mom or like I said, one of three single dads, then well done to you too, because I don't remember how I did it. I think I was just younger, more elastic, like I said, literally and figuratively. Speaking of dads, congratulations to Tristan Trashman Thompson for fathering yet another child. Guys, I don't know why I take this as such a serious attack on me personally and my group of friends. For some reason, I believe that I'm friends with the Kardashians. I have a closeness with Courtney. Kim and Chloe, especially, I just, I hate watching Chloe make poor decision after poor decision regarding men. I think maybe a lot of us see ourselves in her poor decision making. I think maybe I am of an age where I understand that the partner that you choose is a reflection of how you see yourself. I think I'm heartbroken that she keeps making the same mistakes over and over again and she's such a good person seemingly from the reality shows that I watch and love um yeah I feel like I know her and I feel like she deserves better I don't understand why these girls date so beneath themselves or did I never really understood why Courtney allowed Scott to treat her the way that he did for years and I don't understand why Chloe was with first Lamar who's a basketball player who had loads of drug dependency issues they were married he was cheating a lot but then I don't know they seem to have a very weird definition of cheating because he wasn't 
really making any good decisions and he was an addict. All right. So they divorce. And then now, then she dated French Montana, who's some type of musician that I only heard about the few times he was on the show, but he seemed a little bit dodge. And then she finally settles down and has a baby, which is what she seemed to always dream of. You know, whatever dreams you have for your own life, that's fine. But for her, she wanted to be a mother, have a family. She gets with this basketball player, Tristan Thompson. There was controversy in the beginning. If you don't know the story, Tristan was supposedly dating someone else who gave birth to his son while he was with Chloe. And everyone said, oh, Chloe, you lose them how you get them. You know, he was with someone else and he left that woman for you. He's going to leave you for someone else the same way. And lo and behold, while Chloe was pregnant, he was papped, sneaking in and out of hotels with an overnight bag with loads of, I don't know, Instagram models, fans, videos, whatever the like terminology for them is now. So over the Christmas holidays, he is rumored to be the father of a new baby. And he says, no, no, I'm absolutely not. Strangely, at the beginning of December, now he had rekindled his relationship with Chloe. She never fully gets rid of this man. He's kind of in and out of her life. He's back in the reality shows for the last and final season. It seems like they're rekindling things on Instagram. He admits, okay, this woman who's saying that I'm the father of her child, I did sleep with her. So he admits that much, which is rare. I thought, you know, he would deny it until the end. But he says, yes, I did, but I am not the father of her child. So just the other day, a paternity test comes out to reveal that, yes, he is. He fathered another child while he was dating Chloe. And then he released the most baffling apology. It's your classic, oh, you know, Chloe, I have disrespected you. I've embarrassed you publicly and privately, and I'm so sorry. I love you. This is not a reflection of, you know, who I am or where I see our relationship going. He also which made me actually sick, sent his three-year-old or four-year-old daughter with Chloe, True. True. What a name. God. Like, as if you can look your daughter in the face. Her name is genuinely disclosure and honesty, and you are fucking around behind her mom's back. Fine. He sends this baby a dozen roses before the news came out. Like, oh, he just has no idea what it means, what it is to be a loyal dad, a family. It's really sad to see. So what's this little girl going to grow up thinking? It's so like J-Lo, my love don't cost a thing. You know, here's a dozen roses because I'm about to embarrass your mom on a uh, huge world scale. And I have a sibling, half sibling of yours that I've had while I was dating your mom. The, The best gift that you can give a child is the respect that you show her mother. Because a child who has a cherished and very grounded and sane and looked after and respected mother is going to be looked after even better. You know what I mean? How can someone look after you when they're like crying at the end of their bed over how your father treats them all the time? This is just paramount. If you love a child, you respect that child's parent. But whatever. So he's admitted, yeah, I am the father. The paternity test revealed, oh yes, all along he was the father of this other child. And Dr. Phil former uh, talk show host, Dr. Phil, Oprah's former protege, Dr. Phil, once said that where you see a rat, there are a hundred rats you don't see. I remember listening to those words in high school and thinking, yeah, you catch your partner cheating one time, you catch your partner with the irrefutable evidence of a positive paternity test, then they've cheated on you a hundred times. And this is just the one time they got caught. I hate it. I hate it for Chloe. I hate the way it looks. And I mostly think I'm livid that she's probably going to take him back yet again. I think I feel connected to the story on one hand, also because Tristan is Canadian. He's a basketball player. I don't follow basketball, but I know that he is from Brampton, Ontario. That's not far from where I live. It's in the greater Toronto area. What do you get when you Google Brampton? Um, Brampton. Is Brampton a safe city? The level of crime is 62.93. I don't know what that means other than it's high. The crime has increased in the past three years. Uh, Homes are broken into, things are stolen, muggings, robberies, great. Is Brampton poor? As far as income goes, 200,000 people live in Peel in poverty. Oh no, the poverty rate is 12%, a little below the Ontario average. That's sad. Should I move to Brampton? The diversity of the community is one of the things that makes life in Brampton great. 
The city is inviting to all nationalities and religious groups celebrating the diversity. The city has a continental climate. Well, great. Loads of different ethnicities for Tristan Thompson to bang. Is it safe to walk at night in Brampton? Overall risk? Medium. <laughs> Petty theft and drug problems often disturb this city. I mean... Look, this is a this is a good representation of Brampton. Anytime I've been there, and admittedly, it's only to the local hooters, I think it's trash. The overreaching problem that I have with Tristan Thompson and men like Tristan Thompson who habitually cheat is this. He's not saying, yeah, you know what? I wasn't happy and I'm looking for something else. I was a coward. I didn't really know how to end it properly. I met someone else. We fell in love. That's hurtful enough. But it's such a mind fuck when there's an entire generation of like athlete, it seems, and celebrity type man who says, no, I love my wife. I love the mother of my children. This is who I want to be with. I'm sorry. I put her on a pedestal. She's everything to me. I disrespected her. I'm so sorry. By throwing my dick in this semen receptacle woman. Because by saying that, it just paints such a picture of what these people think about women in the first place. Like, oh no, I love my wife, but these are whores. That's what I feel like a man like that is saying. And why? Why would you want to cheat on someone if you are happy? If you claim to be sorry, if you claim to be happy, if that's your like mother of your children, your queen, your relationship that you love, I can't imagine for a second cheating on Bobby. I have cheated before, but it's not like a Tristan Thompson style of cheating. It's I wasn't sleeping with the person I was dating because I hated them and I was trying to get out of that relationship, but I didn't really know how. There were compounding factors of guilt and shame and I felt kind of afraid to leave that relationship. And then I eventually fell in love with someone else. It wasn't like, oh yeah, Bobby, my husband, I love him so much. He's everything to me. He's like the man of my dreams. But while I was on the road, uh, yeah, I sucked off a few fans. Like, oh. <laughs> Never. I can't even fathom doing that in my life. And this is like a lifestyle of so many celebrity men and athletes that they're like, oh, well, we have this rule where if I'm on the road, it's really important for me to like bang someone who DMs me on Instagram. But I love my wife. But I love my wife. What are you doing? Where does this psychology come from? I don't understand it. I don't feel that I will ever fully understand it. Do you know what? I'm going to call my good friend, comedian, author, presenter, producer, actor, creator, Dane Baptiste, because he and I have talked about the Kardashians for a long time, and he's a man. I'm going to get his thoughts on the situation. Hello. Hi, Dane. Hi. How are you? I'm very well. I'm just recording my very poorly organized podcast, telling everybody everything. <laughs> That's fine. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Well, it's, a, it's a pleasure and a privilege. Well, it's a pleasure to speak to you. I'm sorry that it's always on professional terms because I have a baby and no social life. But I know that over the years, you and I have discussed pop culture a lot. We've been on the same page about a lot of things. You and I share, uh, I think you could describe it as an interest, maybe not a love, but an interest for the Kardashians. I'm hurt, I think. I feel attacked because Tristan Thompson yet again has cheated on Chloe, And I'm asking you this, not as a black man, though you happen to be a black man. I just want you to understand I'm asking you as a man, a celebrity man. Why? Why does he keep doing it if he says that he loves her? I mean, I guess the answer would be initially would be the fact that her taking him back might be enabling his behavior. So as much as he apologizes, he's like, well, if I can get away with shooting on a Kardashian, I guess the then I will continue. But it's really hard to work out. I just feel like he has bought into more of a trophy aesthetic by being with Chloe and doesn't really pay attention to who she is, which I think is the uh, unfortunate tragedy of a lot of the Kardashian sisters. Yeah, his behaviour is just suggestive of the fact that he loves the status of being married to a Kardashian rather than honouring the commitment of actually being with her. So, yeah, I just think yeah, I think he's more in it for the clout rather than uh, the expanse of how the relationship's supposed to work. But doesn't the clout stop being clout when, like, the world hates you and you're on blogs and in the media, like, every other month for getting caught cheating again? I mean, on one level, yeah. I think I think the idea is that, like, particularly uh, Kardashian fans will hate you for betraying Chloe. But I also feel like there is a economy that revolves around Kardashian-based infidelity. And so <laughs> I think... 
Uh, yeah, I feel like there's there's a lot of people that make money from it. I think there's columnists that make money from tracking the various uh, romantic disasters that uh, the Kardashians are f- unfortunately subject to. And I feel like there is probably a contingent of people out there who will happily uh, enter and try to sabotage their relationship so they can say either that they took a Kardashian from somebody or they're with a Kardashian or they cheated as, cheated with somebody that was married to a Kardashian. I just feel like sometimes there is just a cabal of people who, uh, you know, are the romance or cheat equivalent of the CIA. And they, and through various machinations, they're able to make money from advertising revenue from selling these set stories. Oh, yeah. So effectively, like by choosing a boyfriend, you're kind of making him a target for these types of women who want to make a name for themselves. To an extent, I think you, you definitely have to check the metal of a man because, you know, in the same way, like with Kim and Kanye, the whole idea that was illustrated to us was that Kanye saw Kim for who she was and then you know Kanye understood that she's the modern day Marilyn Monroe and then goes on to endorse Donald Trump now my personal theory is while the Kardashians aren't necessarily open about it because they are living in the United States of America they're more aware of the fact that they have Armenian heritage and had to probably find themselves in America due to a genocide so when your husband openly endorsed somebody Mm. who has alleged ties to the KKK when you're raising four children with him, you're just like, do you know what? You're definitely not the person I thought you were. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's pretty sad in that respect. But I just really think it's always, when it comes to these issues in Hollywood, I think you have to follow the money. And I really think in the same way that, um, you know, there is someone out there who probably still walks into bars and is like, you know, I fucked, I fucked Beyonce's husband. <laughs> to tell you still people doing that, that, I think that there is just now, we live the world we live in is that people can form economies around these threads and narratives. So it's a shame, you know, men are weak and especially men who, uh, you know, are, I guess, commodified based on their testosterone output. It's, it's, maybe you could argue that someone like Tristan Thompson is denying his nature. And I really feel like for most athletes of that profile, that they should maybe look at the autumn winter of their careers before they try to go into something committed. Yeah. Rather than trying to balance having a career as an athlete in America, as well as being one of the most prolific women in uh, the industry. That is interesting about testosterone and being an athlete and being famous. And like, that's, he's only just turned 30 years old. And I mean, yes, exactly. So he's a, he's a very young guy. And we all know that 30 in men years is like uh, 18 in, or 17 in women years. Yeah. What about if he, if he was a little bit older, if he loved Chloe? What is this thing that, because I, I kind of don't understand with men generally, and you have a television profile, you're touring a lot, you're on the road and stuff. What is it? with men where they have like a wife whom they love but then they can still have these bits on the side like where how do they relegate that in their minds and do you think that that's probably the nature of every man if he could get away with it um i don't think it's the nature of every man although it's, it's a good point you say if you can get away with it that you know i think when people have all of their carnal desires or instincts are going to be indulged entertained by whether it's yes men or like fans or people that want to have want to be a part of that industry by proxy through their through their genitals for lack of of a better expression then yeah the temptation is always going to be there but i don't think all men are kind of in this mold i think depending on what that particular man's livelihood or vocational focus is that can definitely um affect how he deals with it but at the same at the same time i guess everyone requires a release particularly in the kind of industry that we're in and when you are somebody of profile then a lot of time you are under intense public scrutiny so a lot of time where men don't have the emotional intelligence to discuss these things or to uh you know acknowledge that vulnerability they will seek uh more carnal ways of validating themselves because you know it's like we all know the work that uh, Martin Luther King did, but we also heard of a number of different instances of infidelity. And on the one hand, it could be like, how can the guy who's Martin Luther King have cheated on his wife? But at the same time, if you introduce yourself as like, I'm Martin Luther King to, again, a woman in a bar or yeah, like a, some kind of soiree or gathering, and you're like, well, basically what I do is that I graduated from college when I was 17 years old, and I'm trying to rework the entire Western Hemisphere to be equal for all people. Like, you can't really think of a better aphrodisiac yeah. So I imagine that's very hard for women to hear and resist as well. Like in the same way, if you like, you, you know, in during Old Testament times, if someone was like, "Hi, I'm Jesus, and I plan <laughs> on being the in personification of of God upon this earth," like at that time, that would have been a real good sell. And other men were kind of like, "Well, I'm a fisherman, and I'm a Roman legionnaire." So 
you know, just, it would have been a good game. But I think the issue is as well is that I think a lot of men, it all comes under the same kind of umbrella of toxic masculinity where it's supposed to be seen as a given that as a man of power and influence and, I guess, adulation in the public eye, that it's uh, seen as a rite of passage for you to be able to enjoy something like having multiple partners. But I don't really think a lot of men are inclined in that way. But at the same time, I think a lot of men, well, I think a lot of men who are successful a lot of time as well, there is a connotation that man should be some form of alpha male and have this sexual prowess. But we all know a lot of the time, some of the most prominent alpha males within the entertainment industry themselves are actually homosexuals. And a lot of the time they have to fabricate these stories or live up to these stories in order for them to appear affable to a... Uh, for a, a less enlightened audience so yeah. I think some men just force themselves to kind of live up to this hype and when it's not who they really want but I think uh, it comes down to anything I think these men uh, because they're open to such scrutiny they seek validation I think for a lot of men as well it's a function of temptation whereby you know the focus that would have, they would have needed in order to uh, transcend or have social mobility and be in a position where they can be a professional athlete or entertainer probably means that they were deprived of a certain certain elements of social life when they were making their bones so some men try to make up for that lost time as well. Yeah. And try to become the try to become the people they wish they were in high school. And that's usually the complex with most human beings when they exhibit some kind of behaviour like this, is that like it's like, what did they not get to do in high school? And that's why they're doing it now. I love that this is how articulate you are when you have five minutes to talk to me and I gave you no warning and just called you to ask you about the Kardashians. Well, you know, we, we, we take an interest and I'm always thinking about it. And I, I, I think it's interesting social study as well. And... I, I mean, for the art form and comedy in general, I think it's it's it could be very easy for me to dismiss, dismiss the Kardashians and write them off as people tend to do. But everybody's human, and I think if you're going to make good observations, you have to always look at the humanity of everyone. So it's been a pleasure, and it's always good to hear from you as well. So I was going to take that time either way to discuss anything. I know you're heading off, but I just think when a man has multiple partners, I enjoy watching the sadness of polygamy the actual stress upon his shoulders i watched this show called sister wives where this guy cody has like four wives and he has to keep them all happy and he has to balance his time and buy them four different like blown out mountains in utah to live in and look after like 40 kids this man is miserable yeah because on paper it sounded like a good idea and then when you have to deal with other human souls and other human consciousness, it's not as fun as it makes out because everyone is evolving at their own different paces and they are also reactive. So the same way that it's kind of like, it'd be very nice if you could take all of the endangered animals and put them on another planet. So as simple as that, there's a whole ecosystem that revolves around them. And it's the same thing with relationships. It's not as straightforward as you being with one other person. There are other people that affect that person and make up who that person is. So it's like, you know, men just need to understand, you know, is a vagina is a very complex organism that is attached to a human being with a brain and a central nervous system so you have to take the uh the bread with crusts it's like an octopus yeah Yeah, like an octopus (laughs) and even probably even more complex in many ways do you think she'll take him back again um i think there's a possibility but i feel like you know everybody has a breaking point and i feel like well, hell hath no fury, but at the same time, I just think, you know, if you look at someone like Kim Kardashian, uh, who has now divorced Kanye and now has a new partner in uh, Jim, Jim Davidson, right? Is it Jim Davidson? Pete, da- not Jim Davidson, God, oh, maybe. Oh my God, could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start that rumor. Did you hear Kim Kardashian's fucking yeah, Jim yeah, yeah. Davidson? <laughs> I mean, she's not too far off with Kanye. I mean, he is wearing MAGA hats, so yeah. she wasn't too far off. But at the end of the day, it, I, I think it's a very refreshing aesthetic because it just goes to show you that, you know, all of Kanye's status and for all of his self-referential affirmations about his genius and his uh, artistic prowess and his billionaire status, the fact of the matter was that you were neglecting the needs of your wife who just wanted you to be a good man and love your family. And so she's with somebody now who actually makes her love. And so, you know, it's going to show you that throughout all of this, money still can't buy love. So I don't, I think she might be able to take it back, but I think what it comes down to with Khloe Kardashian is that her priority should be finding a love of herself. And I think once we are all whether she has that, I think her fortunes will change. Because, you know, Khloe deserves better. She really does. And uh, I feel like Tristan, you know, at 30 years old, is going to has reached the apex of his uh, good times. And I feel like we're going to see the other side of this where he'll probably be begging her back uh, with a lot more intensity over uh, the next couple of years or so. Dane, I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you very much for your time. I'm sorry to just call you out of the blue. Are you touring again soon? 
I will be around in March. I haven't confirmed dates yet, but I think I'll be doing a few more dates in March. Um, but in the meantime, like, I'm doing this test pack lunch quite a bit as well. It's been really oh, fun. Oh, yeah. Do you have to go up to Leeds for that? I do, yeah, but it's really fun and it's a really great crew. And, um, yeah, it's some great people. Um, but in the meantime, I do have, uh, if anyone's interested, I have a YouTube series uh, that's currently um, streaming now, uh, episode five, which is the eighth set of Blackness. So people check that out if they want to find out more day content. Uh, and in, in the meantime, I'm on all your other good socials. So thank you very much. That's crazy. I didn't even know that. So now that's something for me to watch. Do you know I haven't watched anything since Fred was born? So like six months, I haven't watched a single thing. It's like some good mothering to me, Mama Catherine. You know that. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, I am having a vodka lemonade and it's two in the afternoon. So we'll see. Sounds like brunch to me. <laughs> you wrong in my eyes. You know that. Bye, Dane. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I love Dane Baptiste, longtime friend, first time caller. You can follow him on Twitter at Dane Baptweets, or you can follow him on Instagram at, what is it, Snap something? Dane Snaptiste? That's it. Dane Snaptiste. He and I used to tour together. Now, obviously, we're too busy both touring on our own. I was a villain in Dane's BBC sitcom called Sunny D. That is no longer in production, but you can watch old episodes of me looking very thin and natural and Dane being funny as always. You can find him on tour, and I just hope I get to see him again soon, recreationally, socially, fun. Dane is one of my very favorites, knows all my secrets. I miss him very much. All right, I have very neglectfully missed giving you advice in the emails for the last two weeks. So today I'm gonna dive back in right after this. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, first email of 2022. Catherine, hi. I think I know what your hot take on my situation will be, but I need to hear you say it. It's New Year's Day. I've had enough of my partner, the selfishness, the narcissism, the tightness with money, being rude to my family, the verbal, emotional, and sometimes physical abuse I've put up with angers and embarrasses me. I'm a 35-year-old educated woman, and I've wanted a baby for a long time. I tried with my partner to conceive, but nothing was happening. After tests, we were diagnosed with male factor infertility and underwent an ICSI cycle. This means, um, for those of you who don't know fertility language, they harvested this woman's eggs and the sperm, you know, they would normally put the sperm near the eggs and the sperm would interact with the eggs and move around. But in male factor infertility, that sperm just kind of sits around or doesn't break the wall of the egg. So they choose a sperm and they inject it straight into the egg. I don't know what the acronym ICSI stands for. I could look it up, but that's what it is. All right. We had an unsuccessful fresh transfer, but froze two good-looking embryos. So this means of that ICSI cycle, um, sometimes when you put a sperm with an egg, there's not always an embryo that makes it till day five. But in this case, they had embryos that made it till day five. They transferred one and they froze the others for later. The transfer didn't work, meaning she didn't get pregnant because you don't get pregnant every time you do an IVF cycle. It didn't work. My partner and I have always had bad arguments. Well, yeah, sounds like it. He's selfish, narcissist, tight with money, rude to your family. He's verbally, emotionally, and physically abusive. But he was very supportive during the fertility cycles. Ah, and I was hopeful, but things have deteriorated. Yeah, especially over Christmas as he was childish and cruel throughout. 
Bottom line is I'm 35 and I'm ready for a baby. I want to try with these frozen embryos, but I need his consent for transfer. I don't see a long-term future with him, but I'm more than confident in my abilities to raise a child. I have a very supportive family. Am I crazy for keeping this going just to get consent for the transfer? Thanks in advance. Yes. Yes. You are wild for wanting to have this man's, this man's children. I can't even say it. Maybe it's the vodka lemonade. Maybe it's my sheer fucking disgust at how stupid you're being. And I hate to heap on the cruelty because I know you've had a tough Christmas, but this man, oh, all right, some of child rearing is nurture and some of it is nature. And number one, if you have this man's children, they will see the way their father treats you and they will also be of his blood you know what I mean and there's a chance that they could treat you the same way think about an ex that you hate and then think about having his kids running around your house sometimes that works out and they're lovely children but I mean why do you want to stack the deck against yourself when there's perfectly good sperm that doesn't physically emotionally or uh, verbally assault you or is rude to your family that you can buy off the internet do you know what I mean? By having this man's children, you're risking that your kids will be assholes, number one. And this is a controversial st- view because, you know, I have kids with an, a child with an ex and she's lovely. Um, but he was never verbally, like emotionally, physically abusive to me. Had I had kids with my partner who was all of those things, the police are on the way. I think those kids might have been assholes. You just don't need it. There's perfectly good sperm everywhere, in bars, in tube socks, laying around in bins. You can find sperm in the street. You can buy sperm from the London Sperm Bank or like other sperm banks. It's not that expensive. I know you've made these embryos, but it feels to me like God was sending you a special sign, not conceiving with this man in the first place, just going, do you know what? No, because you will be tethered to him for life. You can get his consent, sure, but... You're kind of tricking him, number one, which is not cool, even if he's an asshole. It's not cool to like string him along just to get his consent to use the frozen embryos if you know you're going to leave him. Everyone should know what they're getting into. But secondly, you're just going to fight more. If you think he has narcissistic, selfish control issues before you are the mother of his children, you wait till you're the mother of his children. No. Donate those embryos. Get his consent to donate those embryos to a family who can't make any embryos or just leave them, you know, to be destroyed. I think this is what I would do, but I mean, do what you want. But what I, if you're asking me what I would do is not have kids with this guy who sounds like a prick and you're 35. That's very young. I have girlfriends having kids into their forties, especially because you don't even have fertility issues. He did. And you can have, you know, fresh embryos from anywhere and you have a clean slate or you could just meet someone who's not a prick to you and have kids with them for the love of God. I mean, I don't want to tell you what to do with your embryos, but I mean, I just did, I think, because you're asking me, that's what I would do with my embryos. Big, fat, nothing. This one's called Navigating Relationship Limbo Lane. Catherine, I'm feeling lost and confused. I've been with my wonderful boyfriend for just over a year, and things have been feeling really great. He suffers from very complex mental health issues and anxiety, but for the most part, we'd managed to make the relationship feel like a safe and supportive place for both of us. Two nights ago, we went for a very romantic dinner to celebrate our belated one-year anniversary, and the whole evening was perfect. He kept telling me how much he loved me and how excited he is for the coming year. When we came back to his house, he'd even set up candles around the bed and bought me a red rose to symbolize the one year. The following day, so yesterday, he told me he doesn't feel capable of being in a relationship right now because he just finds everything in life too difficult. He reassured me that it's nothing to do with me or with our relationship specifically. In fact, it's because things were feeling so good between us that he got scared and started to think that he's not, quote, that kind of person who can manage serious relationships. He told me that he needs time to think about whether he can be in this relationship, And as painful as it was, I have agreed to give him space without communication. However, I'm confused about how to deal with this uncertainty. I'm caught between thinking he just freaked out because of his anxiety. Did he say he felt he was jumping the gun? I mean, he did say he felt he was jumping the gun and that he might realize this soon and try to process the idea of life without him. Do you have any suggestions about how to navigate these coming days and weeks when I just don't know if I'm going to have a relationship to go back to? 
I really love him, but my trust has been damaged. Do I try to move on and think about life without him or wait to see if he changes his mind? I mean, my God. Hmm. You have to just accept that the way your relationship is right now is the way your relationship will always be. Nothing ever changes. Ever. So if he says, well, right now, I just don't know. I freak out because our relationship's going too well. Then you have a really good chance that he's going to do that the day after you get married and the day after you have a baby and the day after, God forbid, you know, your uncle gets sick, the day after major life events, after your five-year anniversary, after your 20-year anniversary. And some people are caretakers and they understand mental health and anxiety and they're willing to put up with that but you just need to decide whether you want to put up with that forever because in the first year everything should be dead easy and if he's having this freak out when everything's going well what's he going to be like when things are not going well um it'll be a variation of this so if it were me i would I mean, I want to say change my number, (laughs) but I mean, I would just say, look, I am not someone who waits around for you to be ready to have a great relationship with me. That is damaging to my mental health. I mean, it's not just him whose mental health needs to be prioritized. I wouldn't allow myself to be treated like that. I might have when I was 30. I wouldn't today. I would just be like, oh, if you don't know if you want to be with me, then you're not going to be with me. Thanks a lot. Oh, no, no. What? You want me back? No, I'm sorry. It's too late. No, because I wouldn't be able to handle living on that knife edge precipice with an anxious person for the rest of my life. So you just need to decide right now today is this right now today, not communicating, waiting for his answer. Is this what you want to be dealing with for the rest of your life? If not, end it now. I would end it now. This one really caught my attention because it's called, do I have enough sex with my boyfriend? And my instinct is to answer yes. Whatever amount of sex you're having with your boyfriend, if that's the amount of sex you want to have, then yes. But let's read the email. Dear Catherine, I'm not sure what I'm hoping to gain from your reply, but I felt like I needed to put down how I feel on paper and that might help. My partner and I have a complicated relationship due to mental health, but I love him so much. We're happy. What the fuck? What's with everyone with... Listen, I don't know if it's a generational thing that everyone is dating a man who has mental health issues now, but like we all, we all feel sad sometimes. We all feel anxious sometimes. And that is not an excuse to treat someone else in a bad way. So I hope that's not what's to come. I'm going to have some ice now. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Mmm. ASMR. Mmm. 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 I really recommend. Go get some ice of your own. All right. I love him so much. We are so happy. Recently, though, he's been asking me for sex, making comments regularly about the lack of sex that we have and how he feels unsatisfied. He'll often tell me he's going upstairs to masturbate. If he asks me for sex and I politely decline. The thing is, I think we have sex pretty regularly, like at least every other day, if not every day. Am I a complete bitch for thinking that's enough? Yes, you're a complete bitch. You're a fucking bitch for having needs and boundaries. The thing is, I think, oh, I love him to pieces. (laughs) Fuck, I love him to pieces, but I feel really inadequate at the moment and it's making me feel like something is wrong with me. Recently, his friend slept with his new love interest for the first time and they had sex six times in one night. And since then, my partner's been sulking and saying he's jealous of his friend. It really hurt my feelings and I don't know how to tell him without him getting upset. Is there something wrong with me? Am I stingy with sex? I also feel I shouldn't have sex more often than I want to, but that doesn't feel right. But I'm worried that my sex drive is nowhere near his and I hate the thought of him being unsatisfied all the time. I hope you can offer some words of wisdom. Why do you love this man so much? I love him. We're so happy. Like, I'm so happy that you put this on paper because you need to read how all over the map it is. I love him. I'm so happy. I love him so much. But he tells me he's unsatisfied. I feel inadequate. I'm not enough. He's jealous of his friend. My feelings are hurt. I don't know how to tell him without him getting upset. You can't be with someone who hurts your feelings that much. You can't be with someone whom you don't feel confident discussing important relationship things with without that person getting upset. You can't be with someone that makes you question 
you know, your own sexual boundaries. Like you're doing the most that you can do and it's okay to be incompatible with someone. It doesn't make them a bad person or you a bad person, but you're not happy. You're like, I'm happy. I'm happy. I love him. No, you don't. And this is the wrong relationship for you. I would say to him, I have sex every day or every other day. And that is nearly starting a fire in my vagina, that level of friction, all right? And if you don't want to have sex more than that, then you are absolutely not having sex more than that. If you wanted to and you were like evenly matched, then that's fine. But the fact that you have all these negative feelings towards sex, it's actually going to make you want to have sex less. He's openly saying to you like, well, I'm going to go masturbate and I'm jealous of my friend. Go be like your friend then. Go have a one night stand every night where you can have sex with this stranger six times in one night because that is what happens with a one night stand. But when you're ready for a grown up relationship, I have news for you. You're not going to have sex every day in most cases or every other day or even every week in most cases, maybe once a week. And uh, like, it's useless for me to tell you which one of you is normal or not normal or if it's enough or if it's not enough. The reality is if it's enough for you, that's enough and you shouldn't be pressured to do it more. And if he wants to be disrespectful of your boundaries, then he can fuck off and pay a sex worker. A lot of support, by the way, in the emails for me not being a Karen. If you listened to last week's podcast, uh, we discussed our trip to the very controversial United Arab Emirates, and um, a lot of people reacted to Violet calling me a Karen. A lot of people said, no, you should not accept any less than what you pay for. Tipping for a drink that you do not consume is the opposite of complaining to the manager. And notably... Uh, someone said that Violet should, where is this one? Um, be careful of internalized misogyny. Her generation seems to be embarrassed by everything. And they're like, oh no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to collect a parcel. I'm not going to talk to this person. I don't want to be a Karen. It is misogyny that any woman who asserts herself is demoralized and called this nasty name so violet i know you don't always listen to me anymore because you're getting older and whatever but the podcast listeners have my back Ho oh lord a lot of people writing me about the vaccine passport thing like you fucking this is the problem this is why we can never disagree is because people can't take in information Uh, without being emotional and they go Jesus Christ you fucking work on a COVID ward bitch and you keep bleeding on about masks I wear a mask everywhere I go I am totally pro all of the good stuff that keeps people sick I think that vaccinations and inoculations have cured us of many diseases I am happy to wear a mask because I think people are disgusting Uh, even pre-COVID. And now I see the masks with COVID. People take their mask off to sneeze into the open sky. Like, that's disgusting. Wear a mask everywhere. Wash your hands. I have always washed my hands loads. I love all of that. I specifically said that I think legislation of a vaccine passport or a mandate is a slippery slope. I think it's very dangerous potentially for the future. I think that the government, uh, our government, as well as the Ontario government and many governments are uh, wolf crying shit weasels, I believe that I called them. I think they're very corrupt. And I think that if you allow them to break the law in a quote unquote emergency, then they will later create emergencies so that they can break the law. That's what I said. But here's, here's an email from Ontario. Catherine, I just listened to your podcast discussing the possibility of the UK implementing a vaccine passport. We have had a passport mandate in place for several weeks now. At first, we heard all the cries, spelled wrong, that it was against a person's rights. This will be a slippery slope, as you said. Beyond the first two weeks, it's become second nature to show our government-issued QR code and ID to dine in at restaurants, go to bars, concerts, to the movies, and take my sons to hockey. (laughs) Don't you dare mess with a Canadian mom getting their kid to a hockey game. LOL. The passport has kept venues open and restaurants functioning. It's easy and fast. You flash your QR code in your ID and off you go. We have a vaccination rate well over 70% in Ontario, so we're lucky that way. The mandate here will expire eventually. (laughs) So this is temporary (laughs) until early next year. 
Even if it does get extended, it seems to be the only way that we can keep things open and functioning. Small businesses can't afford any more lockdowns and stay-at-home orders. The passport has the economy running again, and you know that that's what governments need and want. I did like the idea of showing a QR code and ID to go places. I didn't really, oh, did I like the idea of showing a QR code and ID to go places? Not really, but by doing it, do I get to have a life that resembles something normal? Yes, it's just another new normal, along with masks, which I never want to get rid of. I've I've told so many people to go and fuck themselves, and they have no idea. It's been very cathartic living behind my mask. I mean, this is a thing. This is the thing that you're like oh all I have to do is flash my ID my QR code like I just don't believe in ever ever having to show medical papers to a fucking McDonald's employee I think it's weird I think it's dangerous not for like today or two weeks from now or the end of the year as you say I just think already people are like it's so easy and fast and it's the only way I can go to hockey so why wouldn't I comply get your vaccines, wear your masks, do everything. But my only line, I'm not anti anything apart from showing like medical history. How would you feel if you had to prove that you were HIV negative to go to a McDonald's? And you'll be like, oh, well, Catherine, HIV is not an airborne disease. Fine. But any airborne disease, even it's weird. Do you know what I mean? To be like, oh, um, even you can't even ask someone what their gender is to go into a bathroom and stuff but you want to be like show me what medical like safeguarding you've had even and when people with the vaccine can still get it and spread it i just think that medical stuff needs to stay with your doctor and in hospitals and i think you should go to mcdonald's and not have to show any id that's all i just think it's dangerous that's all it does not mean that i'm anti anything lowered here's an email from a lesbian Catherine, I had previous relationships with women, much to my mother's disapproval. She always said it was a phase or I was doing it to get at her. What a weirdo. You're, this is about me. After drunken night, I ended up in a relationship with a male friend. We fell pregnant quickly and we had two beautiful children whom I adore. We got married as I felt it was the right thing to do, but something always felt so empty in our relationship. This went on for eight years in total. In those years, I put on weight due to comfort eating and unhappiness. Earlier this year, I finally left him. Since then, I've lost almost four stone and I felt so much happier in so many ways. I've recently started dating and I have no intention of getting with a man again. I know for sure it's a woman I should be with. My question to you is how to deal with it when I finally have someone worth being with. I know my mom will go fucking mental. Her words to me when I split from my husband were, you better not go back to lesbian again because it will be so tight on the kids. I think my kids will be fine. But what can I say when the time comes to basically tell my mom to fuck off and let me be happy and for my family to look however I want it to look and tell her that I don't live my life for her? How do I do that in the best way? I appreciate your advice on this. Well, I think that she sounds so close-minded and bigoted that you say, Mom, I think my kids will be fine. You need to fuck off and let me be happy and let my family look however I want it to look and that I don't live my life for you. (laughs) Exactly the same way you wrote it to me. I think you need to give your mom no room no uncertain terms to make you feel guilty or to like slide under the radar making it about her. I would bring that into the room right away. I would say this has nothing to do with you or getting back at you for what? Like this is about me and my life. So absolve yourself of that responsibility. And B, don't you want me to be happy? Because you're a mother too. And I'm sure that whatever made your children happy, as long as they were being kind and generous and they weren't hurting anyone, you would be in favor of that. So Maybe sit down with your mom and go, I'm a mother. You're a mother. I don't want to hurt my kids by doing this. They're growing up in a very different generation to the one that you did. I understand that maybe in your time, you might have been bullied for having lesbian moms. But my children are growing up where that won't happen to them. And even if it did, you know, that is not going to block me from doing what I believe is right and being happy in my life. They are better off with a mother who is happy and satisfied. They will suffer if they have an unhappy mother, which I'm not going to give them. I'm going to follow, you know, my heart. Um, And what's the difference between us that you would rather see me be unhappy than, you know, support me in my decisions? Like, what's the disconnect there? And maybe work through that because I think it would be very hurtful for me to know that my mom didn't support me. And 
more than like explaining it to her because you can tell her to fuck off but more than explaining it to her I think you deserve an answer from her as to like why she's such a narcissist and doesn't want you to be happy maybe she's just scared because you know she's old as shit by far the most emails that I received this week were in response to the person who wrote into the latest podcast about feeling lonely and that nobody would care if they live or died. I got so many emails asking for their contact information. So if you still listen to the podcast, lots of people want to like reach out. I just can't give away your details. Sorry if you wish that I, I just can't. So I don't know if you, I don't know how you can get in touch with people. I just can't. I can't because some of these people might be sick, but I'm just going to read this email um, because I think it basically says the things that all the other emails have been saying. Catherine, I'm writing in response to the person who wrote into your latest podcast about feeling lonely and that nobody would care if they lived or died. I could feel the pain that person was feeling. I've been there. Late 2019, I was newly single and I'd also quit my job. I lived alone and was trying to find a new job. And for three months, I was jobless and at home all the time. I was so utterly miserable at the thought of choking on my food or something because it would be weeks or months before anyone noticed I was dead. I couldn't get rid of the image of my body just laying in my flat unnoticed. I've never felt more unloved and alone than I did then. It didn't help that as soon as I started to come out of the loneliness, we went into lockdown. I really feel for this person as I know just how deep that loneliness feels. So the dog solution may not be possible for them. Why not? Oh, please get a dog. Most people rent now, oh yeah, and most landlords don't allow pets, especially dogs. But here's another solution, change jobs. Well, I mean, that's easier said than done too. I think it's a lot easier to hide a small dog from your landlord than it is to just change jobs. I drifted away from all my old school friends. If it weren't for my job, I would have no friends now. When I left sixth form, basically friendless, I got a job in a shop. My colleagues and I would moan about the managers, sneak to the back and eat donuts, cry in the cupboard together over particularly mean customers, and go out to dinner and to the cinema after work. They went from colleagues to genuine friends. To this day, most of us no longer work in that shop, but we're still best friends and we see each other most weeks. That's not to say every job will have, quote, your people, but it is how I found mine. I got a shitty minimum wage job that involved being yelled at by Karens over things that weren't my fault. Stop saying Karen, everyone. And <laughs> it's the reason I have friends today, and I'm going to grow old with them. You may not have found your people yet, but you have no idea what the future holds, so please stick around for it. My lonely period has made me a more empathetic person. Empathic? I never know whether to say empathetic or empathic person and I always make sure I reach out to people and check in. It's the reason I started to take myself on more solo dates. It made me better. It made me a happier person in the long run and I hope the same for you. That is great advice actually to take, you know, maybe a lower wage job than the one that you're on. Maybe you have security in your job and you feel like you have to stay there. But if you could switch to a more social job, working in a shop or doing something closer to home or being a barista, I think um, in the UK anyway, we have a lot of vacancies for jobs like that. And you do find such fun people. I think prioritizing your happiness uh, above money is absolutely paramount in this case. And I love the amount of support that you have received. Um, genuinely like a hundred emails for you so thank you so much for writing in this is a lovely community you know you all look out for each other but i cannot give you this person's email in case you are a sex pest thank you so much for listening to the first 2022 episode of telling everybody everything the ryan kuster family is feeling so much better back in their feet i mean yes i'm sad about tristan thompson but the norovirus is gone i hope everyone's staying safe staying well and i'm looking forward to a positive fresh start this year please write me an email telling everybody everything at gmail.com and i will see you next wednesday Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code GLOW.